<laughs> the Barack Lurie show has been pirated yet again. I love it when this happens. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is Ari David sitting in for Barack Lurie. No, but you know what? We have a guest on the show today. This is a very interesting guest. He wrote a book called Atheism Kills, and he's a local Los Angeles um, business and real estate attorney. I welcome to the Barack Lurie podcast, hosted by Ari David, Barack Lurie. Oh, I'm so nervous. I, I, I don't know what to do. I, well, how, is this thing on? Uh, okay. So, uh, you wrote this wonderful book that's blowing up Amazon, available, didn't Barnes & Noble is now? It's It's now picking up, yeah. Yeah. It's number two in philosophy in Barnes & Noble. Yeah, and it's available currently on download from from Kindle and uh, for pre-order, for shipping just before Christmas in paperback and hardcover. That's right. Uh, So, everyone, buy your copy of Atheism Kills today. That's uh, the show sponsored by Brock Lurie's Atheism Kills. But um, we're going to... Go through some questions that um, are kind of coming up. Um, when, you know, a, a common plaint that the atheism has about the conduct of a religious institution is so often centered on the story of Galileo in the Catholic Church. Yeah, that's true. And you, you talk about how there's some, well, inconsistencies in how that narrative is generally delivered. What, what do yeah. you have to say about that? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Galileo is always trotted out as an example of how the church wants to suppress science, right? So, uh, but here's the problem. First of all, Galileo was de- a devout Catholic, and he was so until the very end of his life. What was the conflict that the church had with him? Well, essentially, it was that while they're all good and jiggy with the notion of uh, a heliocentric, meaning the sun being the center of the solar system, it, they weren't sure about that. They felt it was more up to debate. Okay, so they didn't want him to so affirmatively state, for the sake of the church, that the sun was the center of the solar system because it had not yet been settled science. The church was basically saying, "We need to make sure this is this is real that this is settled science." Okay, it, it just wasn't at the time. So, they told him, "Listen." You, you can write and publish whatever you want, but present it as a debate. Arguments for the earth being the center and arguments for the sun being the center. And that would, they were totally fine with that. That the book had already been published. It's not as if they were squashing the book. But he defied them. And he said, no, he, he more or less made clear what his position was and that, that he wanted to present it as though it were Catholic teaching. And they said, you know what? We're not cool with that. I'm not saying that was a good response, but nevertheless, at that point, they put him under house arrest. And so he stayed for the rest of his life. I, I think it was the last uh, eight or so years of his life. But it wasn't uh, a terrible thing because he wrote his best masterpiece work after that, the dialogues, I believe So it, it was. wasn't like in solitary confinement in no. the tower or the hole right. or, or yeah. the catacombs. It's just sort of like, yeah. you know, like Manafort today. You yeah. know, it's just stay in your house. It's a nice house. Just <laughs> right. do your work. Just, That's right. This was not yeah. the Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. But what's so interesting way. about the story, from my perspective, hearing it, is that the religious institution was reigning in the scientists in the direction of scientific method, right. not in the direction of being either heretical or... Uh, right. They, they were actually pushing preachy. for science to be aptly observed. Again, at the time, we now know for a fact that the sun is the center of the solar system. But back then, they didn't. It was an issue 
for them. Much like today, global warming is an issue. You and I don't think it's a serious issue. Others do. And so it's a debate. Whether or not they say that the debate is settled, that's another story. But it's clearly a debate. There are different people on it. It's a theory at best. It's not at all settled. And so then the same thing with evolution for that matter. You cannot, it, you cannot come out with a theory staunchly saying as a law that global warming is real. Okay, so that, that's, where, that's where they were at the time. Understandable. Next point on Galileo. He is one man. Okay, let's say for the sake of discussion, just for the sake of discussion, that in fact, you know, you had a bunch of very dastardly popes and cardinals and such that all banded together and said, we must, you know, put the kibosh on this whole heliocentric notion of of the solar system. We can't have this. Uh, You know, what what will the masses do and say? And they'll riot and such. Which is what atheists tell us. Right. That's what they tell us. Right. So let's, let's pretend that that is what happened. Okay. Just pretend. Okay, that's one man, right? One time, one incident in all of Catholic and, for that matter, Christian teachings. You mean they didn't round up every scientist? Right, no, yeah. You would think that they would, if that's the case, if they were so against science, that they would be doing this with every scientist. Anytime that it would somehow suggest that the universe was larger than they want it to be, that we're less of a center of the universe than we want it to be, that somehow um, man's, uh, for example, if they were to show that uh, the dolphin has superior intelligence than, than we thought, or even close to human intelligence, oh, let's stop that too. But you don't see that. On the contrary, the Catholic Church was very good about insisting that science and God were one and the same. That's what I love about the Catholic Church, and I so appreciate about Christianity, generally speaking, they, they really advanced a lot of science. They developed the scientific method. And this is old Catholic Church, the bad old church people complain about. Yes. Not the modern new church right. where, where they talk about, well, at least it's not like the old days, right? Right. This is a long time ago, it, it, of course, relatively this, speaking. This is in the 1400s and the 1500s. The, the, uh, Copernicus was in the 1400s, uh, Galileo in the 1500s, and uh, that's, that's how it worked. So... I, again, I mean, it's just, it's so funny to, one exception, even if, again, even the cartoonish example that I gave of Galileo, even though it didn't happen that way, that would be an exception that d- certainly does not make the rule. One example does not make a rule, as much as the atheists would like it to make it so. Yeah, and there's also another point, which is they didn't want it to be church doctrine. So are you making the argument that even the church saw scientific method and scientific publishing as one level of stuff to communicate yeah. to the people, but then taking only the proven scientific method information and, and incorporating that into church doctrine is yet another level. What do you call that? A higher uh, well, bar yeah. I in, mean, we in don't, the legal world? I don't think we need to drill too, too much more on this, but the, the point is... But the point is the church that, is, that, is allowing room yes. for science to be science. Well, but, but Galileo himself, uh, and he, he loves science, understandably so, but he, he was the one who said that, uh, where is it that he said it? I've got this somewhere here. Yeah. Uh, he was a devout, a devout man of faith who correctly saw that science and faith were one and the same. In fact, that's what motivated him to make his findings. He, he actually proclaimed clearly that the book of nature, written in the language of mathematics, would agree with the book of scripture, written in the everyday language of the people. So he saw them as one and the same. They, 
and, and so did the church. Truth cannot uh, challenge truth, I think uh, John, John Paul II said. And he's right. We, we are imbued with a curiosity, a search for science. The, the church understood this. We humans have this need to learn. It's a gift from, from God. So far from us, the church meaning, trying to squash man's natural instinct, it was in fact something that they wanted to celebrate. Let's use this. It, it's a shame if you don't use your natural intellect to grow. You understand? I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It's completely the opposite of what the, the atheists would like to say. Yeah, and I also think that by you exploring this area, you've removed such an important bullet from the arsenal of atheism. Right. It almost collapses at that moment. On that, on that yeah. Well, but then they'll say, well, even if you're right, Barack, even if you're right, the fact is that, uh, you know, there is no God and... Uh, atheism. What's so what's so problematic of uh, atheism? With atheism, it's just you know we just don't believe in your sky god. That's what they'll say, and I've, I've heard them heard them say it exactly so. And uh, we just don't believe in it. It's a non-ideology. You have an ideology of believing in uh, God for the Jews and Jesus for the Christians and uh, Muhammad for the Muslims and so forth. You have all that, but we just we don't. We're we're a null set, as they say, or null set. Right? There's nothing in this Venn diagram that we believe in. Okay? Now, that's, that's the number one argument of an atheist when they, when they challenge me on my atheism kills notion. What's, what are you talking about? It's not an ideology. So this is how I respond to that. Saying that you don't believe in anything, that in other words, you believe in nothing, it, it's the same kind of nothing in the way that a black hole is nothing. <laughs> right? But somehow you still don't want to be near a black hole, all right? It's, or saying like you don't believe in something. It's like saying, I don't believe in seatbelts, okay? Okay, fine. But guess what? There are consequences to your non-belief. I don't believe in uh, firemen and fire stations and fire engines. But you know what? There'll be consequences to that non-belief if you actually employ that, if you don't use firemen and such. I don't believe in law and order, Okay, if you said that, well, okay, fine. <laughs> that, but that's an ideology, whether you realize it or not. And there are consequences to not believing in law and order. And I can go down all this way, but, but that's the way it is with God. You, you don't want to believe in God? That's fine. That's your business. But there are consequences to it. And also, if atheism truly was a non-ideology, then why are the adherents so vociferous? They yes. make so much effort. Right. If they were truly part of a null set, a non-participant, wouldn't the non-participant just be quiet and let the believer go about their business oh, yeah. too? They, they, they Why are they such interferers right. in other people's efforts? Right. I think the main reason, Ari, is that you know whether they realize it or not, they, they still have the God impulse within them. They, they have a need to believe in a superior being or at least a superior ideology that something operates the world one way or the other. And that's why, by the way, I, I, I had a, a show on this on my Sunday show um, showing that uh, atheists are far more likely to believe in conspiracies than people who believe in God, right? Which is counterintuitive to the atheist, but it's totally sensical and makes logic to somebody who does believe in God. 
the, the, the atheists are totally into conspiracies. Right. And the, and the three big ones, they think, are the three biggest religions. Right. The, the Catholicism and the Catholic oh, Church see. is just a big conspiracy. No, but I, I mean you know, those people who believe in the fake <gasps> oh, lunar landing, the Rothschild yes. conspiracy, you, yes. you name it. Absolutely. It's, if, if, a, if a person believes in that, they are not a devout Catholic, a devout Protestant, a devout Christian, a devout Jew. Guaranteed. There's just yeah. no way because somebody who who's a devout uh, religious person, especially in the Judeo-Christian realm, uh, understands that God is in charge, and understands the weakness and frailties of men. Yeah, right? and they understand that there's no way human beings could pull that off. Right, exactly. without everyone knowing. Yes. That's it's so true. <laughs> I mean, how is how is it that everyone knows that Barack Obama authorized wiretaps to Trump? We all, they were yeah. trying to hide that. Well, speaking of wiretaps, <laughs> right? if, if you, the easiest way to refute the notion of conspiracies is, is to point Richard Nixon. He couldn't even keep a simple wiretap and a burglary, uh, you know, under wraps. And he was the friggin' president of the United States. You would think he would have that capacity. He, it, it did all fell apart. That's just, we humans are flawed all the time. We, I, we are not impressed with humans. Well, but, but the atheist... And, and many liberals for that matter, but especially the atheist, they somehow think we might be able to live in a world like Men in Black, right? That movie, Men in Black, yes. right? Where you have this whole system of aliens secretly being covered up and, you know, everyone manages to be, uh, his memory or, or sightseeing of the, the alien is wiped out by a little gizmo. Yeah, they have these deep state operators who just are perfect, yes. infallible, Tommy Lee Jones, right. you know, Will Smith types, right. who just take care of everything. Right. And that's the, you know, that's... But the same thing with the United Nations. Their, their belief in the United Nations that everything will be great because you know everyone yeah, wants around the EU. Yes, yeah, they're, they're, they're only looking out for yeah. your very best interests. And, and part of it, and I'll, I'll put it in question form: Do you believe, as I do, that the atheist, like many other liberals, believes in the superiority of mankind because of their own desire to be the uh, the clipboard holder at the death camp? <laughs> you know, to I, be the one giving the orders of whatever conspiracy you know, there is, to be the one who could ascend to godly heights as uh, on the throne well, of man. Well, I, I don't know if I'll agree with you on that part, but I will say that their belief system is such that they may very well find themselves with a clipboard in front of the death camps. That's the difference between what you and I may think. They may not want to be, but they will find themselves there. Is their ideology will have brought about a yes, society exactly that has right. a death camp, and being one of the adherents to what brought about that society, political system into being, they'll be elevated to clipboard holder. Exactly which... right. Exactly right. So, 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 and one of the people, a lot of people will say about uh, my arguments about communism and fascism and such. They'll say, what are you talking about, especially with regard to fascism? Don't you know that Hitler, you know, used the uh, inherent Christianity of the German peoples uh, to effectuate his, his wholesale slaughter of the Jews and, and other people that he didn't desire around? I, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this one. It's so silly. It's, it's, like, it's like saying, um, well, it's like the gun control argument, you know, where you have uh, some mass shooter doing terrible things, and you blame the guns for for doing the mass shooting. Well, no, it was the killer who did it. Well, politicians lie all the time yeah. now, don't they? Well, you Hitler know? deceived his people to think that somehow that it's a good thing to go on board with them. A lot of them didn't know it, and the true devout Christians they didn't go on board with him. It's it's just yeah, so they nonsensical. saw through it. They saw yeah. through it. Yeah, and to the extent that they were deceived, that well, they quickly saw the deception. Hitler hated Christianity. I want to make this so clear. I have a whole chapter about it. It's called Hitler, 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 
right? Meaning this notion that, you know, the atheist will always chime in, well, Hitler was a Christian. Or, and their best argument is to say he was born a Christian. What? That doesn't mean anything. So what? I was once an atheist. Does that make me an atheist? Marx no. was born a Jew. Right. So is so, Lenin. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's retarded. It, it, you know, this notion that somehow your ideology stick with, sticks with you merely because of how you were born. <laughs> yes. That's just, that's so stupid. And Mussolini was the same thing, but he was a devout atheist. I mean, he, he called himself an atheist through and through. And uh, he has such contempt for the, for the church. Uh, and then they say, yeah, he made deals with the Catholic Church. Yes, he did. That's right. He manipulated them. And then as soon as there was a deal, he quickly started to turn things around such that, and he demanded them to call him uh, with using the pronoun with the capital. And anytime you refer to Mussolini and you, you said the word he or him, it had to be capital H, capital yeah, like um, God, you know, like, like God. Wrote, when they write Adonai or him exactly. in, in Scripture. Exactly. So he was supposed to, to be a God, essentially. It's hysterical, the whole thing. So the state was, of course, the, the God at the end of the day. That there's no way that they can meaningfully argue that fascism was the product of Christianity and certainly not communism either. You, you, the, the, you are doing injustice to God. It's a violation of the uh, third commandment to speak ill of uh, God. When, and, or sorry, to um, use God's name in vain when you claim that Hitler and Christianity were one and the same. No, no, no. Don't think that for a moment. Hitler was manipulating religion. That doesn't mean that the religion was evil. Yeah, Got of, it? And of course, atheists and leftists, and we've talked about this on many episodes on this podcast in the past, is that, you know, so often... Hitler, and that's the brilliance of calling it Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. So often our political adversaries point to Hitler and then give him attributes that are very positive of their political opponents and then say, well, see, Hitler does it, so you shouldn't. Right. The same way, I, I always compared it to uh, Barack Obama in 2008 running saying, I, I promise to curb waste, fraud, and abuse. <laughs> That's right. You know, or saying you right, can right. keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. Of Politicians course. lie. Yeah. They say the opposite of what they're going to do well, to yeah. deceive the very people into trusting them. Well, you don't even have to uh, go beyond Hitler himself. He, he lied repeatedly over and over again. And, and this is a point in my book. He lied to the Russians about the non-aggression treaty. We know that. He, he did it specifically to lull them to a false sense of security. Then he attacked them, right? He lied to the rest of the world saying that he would not do anything beyond Czechoslovakia. Uh, and, and, but then he, he lied about that, right? He lied he wouldn't invade France. He, he lied he wouldn't invade Austria. I mean, he lied about everything. But when he says that he, you know, it, that he will work with the Christians, you could take that to the bank. Right, that right? was <laughs> that, true. That must be true. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's, it's so, I mean, this is what they say, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, right? And that's what they know. That the main thing that they will do, they will see that there's a, there was an SS poster in one of the camps, and it said, Gott ist mit uns, which means God is with us, right? Okay, and, and, and around that one poster, they will make this entire theory that somehow fascism and Nazism, no less, are, and Christianity are one and the same. <laughs> like, come on. It's, it, it's an absurdity. Godlessness was at the core of fascism. Godlessness was also at the core of communism, which is really not much different. They were just one and the same. You know, the, the only difference between the two? Do, do, most people don't know. 
Oh, I, I mean, I happen to know the difference, but okay. it's so subtle. I believe there's almost no difference. The, the difference, as I understand it, is in communism, the state is everything. So, for instance, if there's a corporation or a structure of a corporation that makes, say, cars versus cans of peas, in the communist uh, 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 construct, both are part of the state directly. So it's a government department that's making the canned peas. It's a government department that's making the cars. It's a government department that's running no, the airline. I, I, I get it. I in, get it. in fascism, the corporation exists somewhat independently, but at the complete behest of the government. Right. It has false autonomy. That's a nuance, but it's, it's uh, not quite the actual definition. I mean, you, you're describing the way things actually played out, but that's not actually the difference. The actual difference is subtle. The, in communism, uh, the state was a control over the class, classes, uh, and all the workers. So they, the focus was on the workers versus the bourgeois, right? Whereas in fascism, it was devotion to the state and nationalism. So the state was the holy thing, so to speak. And that's it. Okay, they, they were both socialist in their own way. And yeah, they they were both practice socialism, i.e. no market economy. Yeah. And that's they why pick Mus- winners and yeah. losers. And- that's, why, that's why Mussolini was so able, easily able to go from being a communist to a fascist, right? It was just a different vehicle to get there. Yeah, I actually have a slightly different word I use for both. I call it both feudalism. Because in both, you have essentially a ruling class right. that rules everything, and then you have serfs who do all the work. Right. Here's, here's the core thing. So they'll say, well, what do you mean, Barack? You know, the, you've got this communism thing. Okay, those communists certainly killed hundreds of millions of people. Fascism killed, uh, you know, tens of millions of people too, hundreds of millions of people. So, yeah, we got you. We agree with you. We can't argue with you about that. But who's to say that atheism was the reason why those things happened? That's, you know, that's making a false association, aren't you? To which I say, <laughs> no, it's the core of both communism and fascism. Godlessness was it. The number one thing that Lenin wanted to do was get rid of God. The number, because without getting rid of God, you could not have control of the state. God forbid, as it were, to allow people to have individuality. Yeah, it's God a- forbid that the family continued. Right. Atheism was the lubricant of the engine. Of fascism and communism, which allowed it to take over a society because it removed all the bulwarks and the the impediments. It removed the family structure, the faith structure, the individuality structure. The same way in America, because we have a Second Amendment, which essentially prevents any uh, nation from invading us without extreme losses, and it prevents... Um, the government from just sending in troops and taking over a sector of the country, um, if you remove that, suddenly those things can happen. They become possible. Same way your book makes the argument that that's what atheism does. Years and years of atheism, generational atheism that removes the, the devotion faith of a, a population and classes within the population then make it easy to, uh, right. to put, put this stuff over people. Well, that's it exactly, makes them supine. That, that, that's exactly right. Well, this is what I call uh, the atheism both creates and enables evil. So it's, it's yes. a double, double-edged sword. Uh, or if you like from the Saturday Night Live uh, episode, it's both a dessert topping and a floor cleaner, right? So, <laughs> Look at that shine. Right, right. <laughs> right. Uh, so yes. that's, that's what atheism is. It does it all for you. But 
But when people say, well, atheism was just an aspect of it, you know, but how can you say that that was the core? I can, because in the same way that a rattlesnake's venom is what causes the, its deadliness, right? It's the venom. It's not the snake. It's his venom that we all shy away from, right? We don't want to be bitten. Right. Of Without I'm, the venom, it means, a rattlesnake is a harmless snake. Right. <laughs> it's exactly like a right. garter snake. Yeah, and his fangs are designed solely to deliver the venom. Right. It's not designed to eat you, right? And, and, and that's it. So watch out for the snake because of its venom. That's what you're worried about. But if you're told that this snake has no venom in him, you're less worried about that, right? So it's the same thing with the active ingredient in, in a drug, right? It's the active ingredient that matters, that, you know, that gives you uh, more libido if, if, uh, in Viagra, that gives you more hair in, in Propecia or whatever, okay? Or Tylenol or whatever. There's an active ingredient. Everything else is just a delivery system. That's what atheism is. Atheism is the active ingredient. It's the venom in both communism and fascism. And without the atheism, neither of those things can exist. Okay, wait. Uh, but Barack, how would you then address socialism or communism in, in states like Venezuela or Uruguay or Cuba, which are Catholic states? I oh, mean, no. is, is, there, is that not a big aha moment I've just stumbled on? Haven't I just gotten you? And, and this pope, you know, he, he was, the pope was, the, the one, whatever his name is, Francis, was given a crucifix, uh, Jesus, affixed on a crucifix, over a hammer and sickle by Evo Morales of Uruguay, yeah. where they're uh, averting their devotion to both communism and... Jesus in the same. How is that? Is that like a, a um, uh, regional nuance that we're seeing there, no, or is no, that? No, it's, a, it's, like, it's, it's uh, what you're seeing is godlessness pretending that it's it's uh, it's doing uh, business with religion in order to 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 fool people into going along with the program. So it's pulling the Hitler thing, of, of course, co-opting, it's, using it in the short term to co-opt it, destroy it, and then. Have a more supine victim yeah, later on. You think the Maduro or Chavez were were devout uh, Catholics? No. Well, they said they were. Yeah. Don't like... they always tell the truth? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. No, no. The last thing they want is to to uh, to 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 genuflect to the Catholic Church to say that there is something superior to them to their leadership. Not even Henry VIII. I mean, eventually he had to fight the Church himself, but he understood he had to deal with the Church. And, he, and deal with it, he did, but he created his own church, and so he genuflected to the Anglican church at the end of the day. Yeah, but, but he made his own church, and yeah. he, he installed leaders who might be more, well, you know, easy for him to deal with. Right. But he understood if he rejected God, he'd have a revolution, and his right. head would wind up on a pike. Right, and he, but he believed fiercely in God as well. So yeah. that, that, that's such the difference. Look, I've gotten to the point after reading... I'm sorry about, well, reading a lot of research, doing a lot of research and writing the book, of course, that where you have killing sprees of, let's say, I don't know, a thousand people or more in a year, you can bet that there's a godless government behind it. Okay. I talk about when the government does the. Deep yeah. When the government, plate. yeah. When the government is doing it, uh, then you can bet it's a godless government. It's not a Judeo Christian government doing it. Okay. That, that is just not the, the... Now, people will say, what are you talking about? Didn't we treat the Native Americans so poorly? Didn't we treat uh, blacks so poorly? Didn't we uh, drug this or that group and such like that? Uh, no. 
uh, you know, there may have been some wanton, reckless people who have done things that were inappropriate, but it was never at the behest of the government. They never said, let's engage in wholesale slaughter. Yeah, last time I checked, just regarding the, the black slaves, it seems, I might be wrong here because my, my education is dubious, but I think we fought a war to free the slaves, not <laughs> enslave the slaves. Right, exactly. Am I right. correct about that? You are correct about that. And I think d- despite the um, absurd results of a government program, I believe we have a government that set up uh, Indian reservations for the Indians, right. not to hurt the Indians, even right, exactly if right. the government is incompetent and they wound up getting hurt anyway. Yeah. You know. you, you, like I said, you may have some renegade uh, soldiers and, for that matter, uh, generals like General Custard, who who may have had it in for the Indians at the time. I get that, but and that's bad. But nevertheless, that doesn't mean that's government policy. That's very different. Government policy of the Hitler regime was to wipe out the Jews, and for that matter, anybody else that they did not desire. Okay, that was policy. Okay, Do you understand there's a huge difference? Yeah, and I think this. in the book you talk about how and the goal of wiping out the Jews was not the end game for the Nazi oh, regime. No. It was the starting point to enable the eventual slaughter of the Christians. Right. Yeah. They wanted to wipe <laughs> out the Jews. It's another mind blower. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a first Saturday, then Sunday approach. Uh, they, they really wanted to destroy Christians. They, they hated the Christians who saved the Jews, and they, they tortured those Christians who saved the Jews, especially the Catholics, by the way, and the Jehovah's Witnesses. But it's interesting, going back to slavery... Who were the ones that ended slavery? Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> the Christians, okay? The devout Christians. And it was not logical for them to fight uh, against slavery. Not at all. Harriet Tubman especially. She escaped slavery, right? She, she free, free at last, she could say to herself. Uh, I'm glad I'm done with that crap, right? Boy, what does she do? She d- develops an underground railroad, an old system. She constantly exposes herself to risk. Why, you ask? Because she believed in God, thank you very much, right? She was a devout believer in God, understood that she had to fight this because she hated evil so much. Who else was like that? Rosa Parks, one of my, my, my true favorite hero of the civil rights movement. When she was asked what made her uh, give up her, uh, refuse to give up her seat on that bus, what did she say? She said, I decided, I, I knew that God was behind me and that God took away all my fear. Okay, that, that was such a beautiful statement because that's what God does enable you to do. And she stood there, she stood her ground, and don't you know, the whole world went with her. And, and that's why she's my hero. And she didn't have throngs of supporters and everything else, but she had God with her. That leads me to a, a question, and you would have the answer to this, being the, uh, the writer of this book. Are there instances in which atheists, in historical precedent ever stood up and did such thing. There's one that I can think of, which is uh, Hirsi Ali, who became an atheist after being an apostate from Islam who stands up for the, the cause of good. But where historically are these Armies of uh, righteous atheists right. defending right. The, the victims of evil against evil. Right. There, there, I, there like are none. Yeah. They, they're so funny, these atheists. They, they proudly proclaim that nobody uh, killed millions in the name of atheism, which is not correct, of course. They <laughs> right. did. The they opposite. Did. Of the opposite. But, but, but they, you know, there was not an atheist banner, so it's not so obvious for them. It's not in their face. So, yeah. There's really, not, that hammer and sickle, is it the... Uh, you know, but you, you, you got to take them at the word, right? Okay. So, but the funny thing is, when it comes to um, Christianity, they'll, they'll, say, they'll claim this all day long. 
but going to Hirsi Ali, right? She is an ex- not an exception. She, her main fight is against Islam. It's not that she's fighting for Christianity. She she escaped Islam, became an atheist, and now is fighting against the horrors of Islam. Okay, she she's an atheist who thinks that religion sucks. She she rejects all religion, and I'm not saying that that's a good thing. Well, I'm simply, it's it's a it's a shame because all she knows of religion is radical Islam and the the Sharia law and the terrible things they do to women and the lack of rights that women have. That's all she knows. That, that's, that, that's the problem. Uh, so now, now, I will give you an example of one atheist who was a brave soul, who did fight the system and the communist system, no less. That's Andrei Sakharov, okay, an incredible man. And I, and I talk about him in the book, uh, but he's one man. That's it. But he was a renowned atheist, and, and he still stood up for the right thing. The question I have about, and remember we were talking earlier about those born that way. Right. Um, you know, he was born this way. Didn't he stay this way? Um, in the case of Ali, she was born into Islam, didn't like it, for, and I'm understating the uh, point yeah, deliberately. Understandably so. And became, a, if you will, non-Muslim. Right. Does what she does. Sakharov most likely was born in the Soviet Union under the fully implemented atheist system. Yes. Yeah. So... This is not someone who necessarily had an on-ramp into faith. Right. No, he did not have one. And, uh, but, but that's just one. Again, one per, you're always going to have an exception. But one man does not make a rule, right? Just like yes. Galileo did not constitute a rule, even if you bought into the whole Galileo conspiracy issue. So that, that's, that's another uh, example of, of the arguments that you'll hear from the atheists. But one of, the, one of my favorite chapters is um, uh, in, in the book is, uh, yeah, but aside from all that, what have you, you know, what have the Romans ever done for us, right? Yeah, from life what, of what Brian. Has, yeah, from yes. life of Brian. So, what has the church, aside from that, what has the church ever done for us, right? <laughs> so they they never, they, they they never want to talk about all the good that religion has done, specifically the Judeo Christian world. Think of it. Think of all the things that the Judeo Christian world has given us. A, a devout Christian should know, but I'll, I'll lay it out right now, just the big highlights. One, the university system. You've got, uh, two, the, the public school system, uh, the, the school system as we think of it today. You've got the hospital system as we think of it today, the charity systems that we have as we think about today. You've got AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, which was created by a Christian, a Christian organization. Uh, you've got Goodwill, which was founded upon Christians, by Christians rather. You've got the notion of freedom itself. That's amazing. I mean, we cherish freedom so much. But without Judaism and Christianity, we would not have freedom. It would be meaningless to us. An atheist cannot even say, well, we would get there eventually and don't through, the, through don't, regular evolution. Yeah, and don't don't associate freedom with constantly this. constantly make the opposite argument about that because that's a big one. Aren't they the ones constantly say, well, I have no freedom under religion. I have to go to the institution on either Saturday or Sunday or Friday or Monday, depending which one I believe in. <laughs> How do I have my freedom? I, I have to eat certain foods. I have to not turn on the lights. Or the, right. You, you know. Well, that's an expression of your free will. That's the whole point, is that yeah. ironically, by restricting yourself and, and agreeing to restrict yourself, you're expressing your individuality. You are highlighting your freedom, not, not restricting it. When I tell myself, because I'm kosher, when I say, and I'm vegan too, I, I refuse to eat 
uh, dairy and meat. And, and if I were to eat meat, I would not eat co- um, anything but kosher meat, right? I wouldn't have a cheeseburger either. You, you think that these Hasidic Jews, these Orthodox Jews are feeling enslaved? Are you kidding? They could, they could jump ship anytime they want. They want this stuff because it's an expression of their choices. They are constantly validating their choices day after day, hour after hour. They choose not to drive on Shabbat. They, they choose not to turn on the lights and so forth. That's wonderful. And those people that just say, well, I just do whatever comes my way. I'll eat whatever comes my way. You think you're free when you're just going to eat anything that's, that's put in front of you? Who, who's in command of who here? Yeah, you're choosing to be nothing more than a leaf on a river. Yes, that's being and, taken where it takes you right. and not swimming in any direction. That's that's exactly right. That's that's the essence of the free will argument and the freedom argument. They don't get it. And then you ask the question, you like and value freedom, right? They'll say, sure. They've heard that in school. After all, they know they do know that the American Revolution was fought for freedom. They yeah, got that. The freedom to uh, have an abortion, the freedom uh, to have a now, condom, now you're, now you're getting freedom. ahead of me. But it, <laughs> it begs the question, freedom to do what? Have what? an abortion, use <laughs> <a> condom. <laughs> no, no I, I, I know you're kidding, but, but really, seriously, asking the question, and I just mean to be rhetorical with a meaningful pause. Freedom to do what? Now, when you think about freedom, you think about, you know, you see a man, you know, standing up and petitioning his government, Right. And I don't. I think the speed limit should be less than or, or more than whatever. I I demand speed bump. But really, is that what you think freedom is? Do you do you really think that? Is that what you would die for? The right to petition the government to have speed bumps on your street, the right uh, that you have to say that I should be able to read whatever I want to read. I, I you know I don't know. These things would you die for them? I don't think so. I'll tell you what. The freedom really means the freedom that we enjoy, that we fight for, and that you're willing to die for is the freedom to pursue God, to search for God. That's what freedom is. That, my friend, I tell you, is the reason why the First Amendment is both the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion. That's why, because they're the same. They understood them to be the same. Yeah, and what that means in in actual practice is the freedom to not be forced to worship a human being. Right. Another human being who is your master. That's right. And you are his slave. Yeah. You will not enslave me. I am a free man. I I get to pursue God as I please. And that's the essence of of freedom. And people don't even think about it. But And and I I point this out in my book. If you have a choice, okay, two, two different scenarios. I will give you free university education. I will give you a nice house. Not, maybe not a mansion, but a very nice house. You'll get a bicycle, too. You'll get a, a free car. Maybe not a, a, a Bentley, but, you know, a nice car. A Prius, let's say. Okay? Yeah, don't make that face. But a Prius. It gets you from Sorry, point A to point habit, B. habit, habit. Right? <laughs> uh, you'll get free health care, of course. It goes without saying. Your children will get free education. You'll get a pension that you can expect uh, for the rest of your life. Um, what's not to like, right? I mean, there's, you're, you're not wanting for anything. And by the way, there's going to be free food as well along the way, right? So you've got everything you need. All your, your necessaries for the continuation of your life, food, health, shelter, 
It's all there. What's not to like? Right? And now that's scenario A. Now I'll give you scenario B. And I say to you, you get to be free. But you're not going to get that free health care. You're going to have to pay for that university. You also have to pay for the uh, for your kids' education or find a way to otherwise educate them. You have to pay for your health care. All those things, you got to take care of it. But guess what? You get to do it your own way. You get, to, you get to be as rich as you like. You get to have as many ideas as you like. By the way, you get to express yourself as, you, as well as you want. You can go to church as, as much as you want. You can pray as much as you want. You are truly free. By the way, in that first system that I told you, one caveat. You have to go along with the program. The government's program. Don't make too many waves. Don't complain about your Prius. Don't complain about your health care. Don't complain about your neighborhood. Don't argue about what you see on TV each night. Yeah. You know, we got this. Okay? And think of yourself as a spoke on a wheel. Okay? Anyone bends out of shape, the whole wheel collapses, don't you know? Okay? We're busy making utopia here. Stick with the program. So, you see the conundrum? You see the... The, the choice that we have to make. But most people will choose the first because that's all they've known. And when you would take God out of the picture and, they, and you truly feel that everything is a matter of economic materialism, well, you choose scenario A, always. I find it fascinating, right? So our, freedom means nothing without God and God means nothing without freedom. They are, they're so interconnected, and, and we just don't talk about freedom as much anymore. The Democrats, the Liberal Party, almost never talks about freedom anymore. Why? Precisely because of what we're talking about now. They, they, God is not relevant to them. And whenever they do, there's a qualifier, usually with the words to choose, right. to get. Right. Good point. Know. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the government, the freedom to, uh, to receive health care. Right. right? Some, some sort of right that you have. Yeah. Freedom from want. Right. I think that's what you're saying. Yes. It's, it's fascinating. So the, the atheist uh, will have all these very unique arguments. They think that they are unique, but they're not. Um, and, and the ultimate one that we talk about in the book, certainly in the very beginning, is the, what I call the murder by numbers. Right? They, they talk about the Inquisition and the uh, Crusades and the witch trials and the yeah. church and pedophilia scandal. Yeah, and on your podcast here, we've constantly called it the scoreboard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you that's know, what atheism is. dwarfs yeah. the other yeah, by, participants. By, by hundreds of millions of, of, of deaths just in the 20th century alone, you, to, to put together every conceivable death, directly or indirectly, from the Judeo-Christian mindset up to, through today, from the beginning of, of Judaism, you, you basically you're looking at, at most 10 million. From the beginning of time, basically. Okay, that, and, and that's assuming that they actually have something to go on. And 8 million of those, by the way, would be from the, um, the religious wars uh, in the Huguenot, uh, Huguenot time in France. That was 8 million people. And those are just Catholics and Protestants killing each other, right? It's not as if there was an orchestrated plan to commit genocide. But they were fighting each other. They were, they were fighting for the heart and soul of Christianity among each other. They weren't going out and trying to slaughter whole peoples somewhere out there. 
So it's a big, big difference, right? But I say atheism kills, not just because of that, but because it kills so many other things that are, are of any value to us whatsoever. Our notions of beauty, our notions of uh, humor, of free will, a sense of the past and the future, of creativity, a sense of freedom itself. Would you say that the atheist or atheism is the path to and the people who adhere to it are the ultimate conformists in many ways and in the bad sense of conformity? Yeah, I, I, I think they do. They, well, you know what? I actually describe because, them Because, as... I mean, the, the one thing that's jumping out at me, both from your book, other atheists I've heard, life experience, you know, the, the Bill Mars and the Pendulettes and the Christopher Hitchens of the world, and I'm mentioning those are the smart ones, is how bad their arguments are. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's such groupthink. It's groupthink. But you know what? You know, palming off of your phrase groupthink just now, I was going to say the number one word I would use for them is lazy. Because it is lazy. I, you know, you can be insulted as you want, my, my atheist listener. But it is lazy. Because for you to simply say, I can't accept that there's a God because I can't see, hear, touch, or feel him, that's lazy. Come on. Come on. You, and I know you haven't even read the Bible. Yeah, because any believer knows if you make an effort, he's there. Right. Exactly right. You just open your heart, yeah. dude. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> from, that's very much from a Christian perspective. But, you know, I came from a scientific approach. I'm with the atheist. And in that sense, I'm with the atheist. I understand that he demands scientific proof. Right? So what I do, and I encourage all my atheist listeners to do, is first... Figure out that there is a creator to the universe. Figure that out, because that is actually mathematically very provable. Nothing's 100%, of course. But the odds of a creator, sorry, the odds that the universe was created randomly is so obscenely, stupidly, infinitesimally low that to believe that it, was, that, that it happened randomly you would have to have a whole bunch of uh, opiates, to use Karl Marx's phrase. And phrasing. so many miracle things have to go right. The only way to explain it is God. Right. <laughs> right? Or, or a creator. Let's use the yeah. word creator. Because you once said, and I love this analogy, you said, it's like dropping a sheet of paper off the Empire right. State Building and having it land perpendicular and stay there. Right. In the yeah. wind. <laughs> In the wind, right. Exactly. Straight right. down. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. There's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, that's it's right. It's so small, it ain't happening. Right. And, Not uh, without some miracle. Right. So, so th that's what it is. So uh, those odds were so staggering to me that it didn't... So I, I, I accepted, and, and frankly, I know that there is a creator to the universe. Now, the next question is, is that creator the same as the God that we believe about in the Bible? Now, this is where I say, I believe. Okay? I know that there's a creator. I believe that creator is the same God of the Judeo-Christian Bible. That's what I believe. And, and there's all sorts of reasons why I believe that, but that's a different story. So this is about first doing the hard work. And because I, I say atheists are, are de definitely lazy. I mean, I, I wasn't lazy when I was an atheist. I argued up and down the wazoo. That's why you didn't stay one, uh, That's right, because eventually I saw that I was just wrong. One of the, the thing that opened the door for me at the end of the day was free will. I, I had to accept the very simple notion that you can only have free will if some sort of creator gives it to you. Something, someone, whatever you want to call it, gives you free will, bestows free will upon you. 
bestows a consciousness, a self-awareness in your body. And so that gives you the me inside of every one of us, right? That's what is the difference. And I understood that I could not explain that. Not in a million billion years could I ever explain that as a random event. Free will must come from somewhere. And I, I rejected the, the deterministic approach to that. And once I did that, it was kind of easy to open the doors to, to God and to understand how, how bereft I was in the facts. Anyway, this is, this is the topic uh, that so fascinates all, every one of us. And our book, you know, Atheism Kills, is, is just catching on in such a fantastic way. It's, it's like fire. I, I cannot believe how strong this has taken on the, the, the world. Well, you shouldn't have uh, you know, written something that resonated <laughs> if you wanted to avoid that. You know? I, I, you know. but, but it's funny because that's sort of one of the challenges of God. Is a person willing to do what's needed to do on the godly path and have the courage needed to right. take this on when you know there's a chance it might succeed. Right. Right? right. Oh, exactly no. Right. Exactly right. We didn't know this exactly would right. work. Uh-oh. Listen, there's many things uh, I've always laughed about in myself. You know, I, I'm on Facebook a lot, um, and I, I'll write a comment and... You know, a couple of people will respond. I'll say something about politics. A couple of people will respond. And it's always been that way for me, you know. And somehow with this Atheism Kills book, I thought, okay, well, maybe it just won't, you know, gather the steam. It'll be like one of my Facebook postings, right? You know, people chime in. They're very nice. But it's not like like my brother, for example. He, he'll he say, I, you know, what, what do you think the temperature will be today? And he'll have 3,000 comments in response to it. And they'll all blame Bush and, and Trump in the process. But that's another story. But, but this atheism kills. It was like, it, it took on such fire on this that I, I'm, I'm quite surprised. And pleasantly so, of course. Uh, but it's, it's taken so much time out of my day. Uh, it's almost like a full-time job now, responding to inquiries to make speeches and such like that. And I, you know, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm honored. But this, this work is an important piece of work. It's, it's uh, like I say, there are many books about God and God's presence, and they're great. There are many books about atheism and why there is no God. But there are very few God, uh, books that talk about how atheism is such a destructive force. Whether you believe in it or not, it's just destructive and understand that. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week. And this is Ari David, this week's host on The Brock Lurie Show. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.